0: Easter It's great, sir. Uh, thank you. It's really great to have you with us this morning. Thank you for being here, particularly if you're visiting us this morning. It's really good to see you and great to have you with us. It's really good you can join us for our Easter celebration this morning. Kids, if you're in, you can have some fun, okay? So you don't have to do coloring. I'm not that boring. Contrary to uh, oh, Tim's not here. so I, can't, oh, doing, oh, I can not be rude to him. Splendid. Um, I can be ruder once he's left. He's gone. Okay, now I can say what I really want to say. <laughs> so we're going to have some fun this morning and uh, we're going to look at the Easter story and uh, look at what that means for us and what God has for us uh, this morning in that. But I guess to many people these days, Easter has just really become a celebration of chocolate. I mean, there'll be some people who would argue that Easter should be renamed Chocolate Fest. Would you agree? I mean, I've uh, I've seen some stuff online recently that uh, people have been getting excited because there have been some uh, Christian-themed Easter eggs in supermarkets this year, which is great, and I'm a great supporter of that, but isn't it remarkable that the Easter egg and the Easter it's meant to celebrate, have become so disconnected. And we get so excited, when wow, there's a religious-themed Easter egg. Yeah, there should be, It's what it's actually celebrating. However, because Easter, for many, is a chocolate fest, it seems, I thought we'd start with a chocolate quiz. Is that good? So, we should have it coming up on the screen here, and uh, you can test your chocolatey knowledge. Or oh, there is our Easter bunny, because obviously Easter is about bunnies, isn't it? Is it? No, it's not, is it? Not really. So, we have an Easter quiz for you, so pay attention and you can shout out your answers uh, nice and loud. So, uh, let's, uh, let's go for the first question. Where does the UK rank in terms of worldwide chocolate consumption? First, second, fifth or seventh? Okay, hands up for first second, fifth, seventh. I think that was. I think that was uh, seventh. And the answer is seventh. Oh, if he puts his hand up, okay. If he puts his hand up, you can guess that might be the right answer. Not I'm telling you who wrote the quiz because that would be cheating and you wouldn't want to do that. But yeah, only seventh. Okay, that's not bad. Okay, next question. When did the first chocolate factory open in Britain? David, you're not allowed to answer this. One, two, three or four. Is that some answers? Okay, the answer is 1657. How about that? Okay, next one. Who developed the first solid chocolate bar in 1847? Cabris, Fry's, Nestlé or Terry's of York? Fry's is the most popular answer. What are we getting? It's Fry's. Oh, well done, you chocolate experts. Okay. Which country produces the most cocoa? Brazil, Chile, the Ivory Coast or Ghana? Oh, Ghana, Ivory Coast. I'm hearing both there, hearing both. Okay, the answer is Ivory Coast. There's some smug-looking people there now and others who are sinking into their seats wishing they'd be quiet. Okay, next question. Okay, kids, this is one for you, all right? You have to be under 12 to answer this one. How tall, okay, how tall was the largest chocolate rabbit? Seven feet, 12 feet, nine feet or 22 feet? Um, We're on metric now. Okay, so, I don't know. So, kids, how, how tall? <laughs> what is it in metric? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> how tall is the largest chocolate rabbit? What do you think? 22 up there. 22. Any other offers? 12 there. 22 up there, I think. Any others? Okay, the answer is 12 feet. hey. And it weighed three tons. That's quite heavy. That's quite, that's quite a lot of chocolate. Who has got enough Easter eggs at home to build a tower 12 feet high? Anybody? One or two hands going up. I bet it doesn't weigh three tons. So three tons of chocolate would make you quite poorly. Okay, next question. Who produced the first chocolate Easter egg? Fries, cabris, Hershey's, or Lint? Cadbury's over there, lint over here. Cadbury's, any other answers? Okay, the answer is fries. JS Fry and Sons. Oh, he's learning something this morning. It's good, isn't it? Okay, which Russian czar commissioned Faberge to decorate Easter eggs? Michael the Second, Constantine the first, Nicholas the first, or Alexander the Third? Come on, how's your Russian history, people? Come on this side. You look like you should have some intelligent Russian history people over here. What do you reckon? Okay, the answer is Alexander III. Oh, some more smug faces over this side. Very good. Okay, have we got any more? How many... Okay, yeah, now this is another kid's question, right? Under-12s only. How many chocolate eggs are sold annually, that's each year, in the UK? 20 million, 10 billion, 90 million, or 50 million? How many chocolate eggs are sold every year in the UK? What do you reckon, Ketia? 10, 10 million you're going for? Oh, 10 billion, sorry, 10 billion. Now that's just your Easter egg consumption. Um, <laughs> any others? 10 you're going for 10 billion? Anybody Any other variants on 10 billion? You're going to 10 billion as well. That's quite a popular one, isn't it? Okay, well, the answer is only 90 million. Oh, come on. We're clearly not buying enough, are we? Um, any more? One more question. Okay, this is the last one. This is the last question. You have a chance to redeem yourself now. You haven't got one right yet. When did Cadbury's cream eggs first go on sale? 1800. 1851, 1951, or 1971. And I just wish to say for the record, all of these are before my time. (coughs) Just. Okay. 1800, 1851, 1951, 1971. 1951 are you going for, Dave? Okay. Is that your first cream egg? No. (laughs) Um, (coughs) Any other offers? 71 over there. Okay, final answer. 1971. So clearly there is some link between Cadbury's cream eggs and decimalisation. But I'm not quite sure what it is. Was that 71 as well? Yeah, Yeah, it was, isn't it? Again, before my time, what can I say? Is that it? Okay, well, thank you, David, for that um, fantastic chocolate quiz and the glorious Easter bunny, which was really quite something. (laughs) But, (coughs) listen, for us, whilst we do enjoy Easter eggs, I mean, hands up if you enjoy Easter eggs. Some of you are fibbing right now. (laughs) Most of us enjoy Easter eggs. Actually, Easter isn't just a celebration of all things chocolate. I know it looks like it when you go into the high street. I know if you go into the supermarket, it looks like actually it is just about chocolate and not much else. But actually, it's so much more than that. Because Easter is the time of year when we talk about and remind ourselves and celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. Now, it probably wasn't on this exact day. That doesn't matter, because it's an annual time. It means every year it's a time when we remember and when we celebrate. And so the story so far, if you like, of what's happened before Easter Sunday, up until this day, is Jesus was born as a baby, lived a perfect, sinless life, never did anything wrong. He'd got to around 33 years of age. He'd spent the last three years preaching and teaching, healing the sick, calling people to follow him. He was the Son of God in human flesh. Fully God, fully man as well. But now he's been arrested. Been arrested on false charges. And he's tortured and then crucified. And he dies a horrible death on a cross. And his body is taken down and laid into an empty tomb. And that's where we're going to pick up the Bible's account. There's not time this morning to read all of the Bible's account of the Easter story. But we're going to pick up the story just now. Because Jesus has died on the cross. We'll talk about why in a moment. And his body's been taken down and laid in a tomb. Luke 24 Verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. what had happened so it's now on the third day and the women went to the tomb the tombs in those days in this case was uh, was a sort of cut out of a rock and you could literally walk into it, might have to bend down a little bit but you know, it wasn't something where you buried somebody in the ground like, like we do in a coffin these days it, the body had been laid in this sort of like a cave really and a big stone rolled a rolled over the entrance to it. But that had been moved. And the women went there to anoint Jesus' body with spices. That was their custom. and They couldn't do it the day before because that was the day of rest and they were meant to rest on the Sabbath day. So they couldn't do it then. They were doing it the next day. And they expected to find the dead body of Jesus. That's what they expected to find there. But the tomb was empty. Jesus wasn't there. And suddenly, what other reports call angels, appear and tell them that Jesus is not here. And they ask them the question, why do you look for the living among the dead? They're saying to, they're saying to the women, hey, he's not here. Why are you looking for somebody who's alive in a place where only dead people should be? So the women that had assumed that Jesus was still dead it was not unreasonable seeing as the Romans had crucified him. Now the Romans were good at lots of things. One of them was making sure people were dead. And they did a good job of it. And there's no way that anybody was to come down off a cross anything other than dead. Very, very dead. And that's how they expected to find Jesus. But instead... What did they find? A tomb where the stone had been rolled away and a tomb that was empty and some news that would change everything. So why is an empty tomb so significant? Because it points to the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus didn't stay dead. He came alive again. Amen? Amen? This is why it's so significant because it points to the resurrection of Jesus. And the angels went on, he's not here, he has risen. Thank you. There was one. <laughs> I'll try again in a second. Amy, do you want to be coming up? The angels went on, this is your second chance. He's not here, he has risen. Hallelujah. Is that significant? Is it important? Yes, it is. It changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. And this morning, I'm going to explain to you, very briefly, why it's so important. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a response this morning. You see, what we're talking about here is some really, really good news. But it's not just good news that's interesting It's not just good news where you might say, oh, that's nice. No, this is good news that changes everything. This is good news. If you haven't responded to it like this before, it could change everything for you this morning. Before we get there, we've got a song. Okay, so what's the significance of this empty tomb? Why is it so important? Why are we talking about it 2,000 or so years later? What's the significance? You see, everyone knew that Jesus had died. They'd watched it happen. They'd seen the Romans do their thing. They'd seen Jesus' body being taken down and laid in a tomb. But remember, Jesus had spoken about his resurrection. He had said that this wasn't going to be the end. He had talked about it, but it's really clear at this stage the disciples, Jesus' friends, didn't really understand what he was talking about. Didn't really get it, you might say. They didn't understand what had happened. All that they knew was the tomb was empty. Now, Generally speaking, empty things are not good, are they? You know, an empty cupboard is not good. An empty fridge is not good. You know, an empty wallet, well, that's bad news, isn't it? You know, we don't like empty things. Empty chocolate tins, particularly at Easter, are really bad news. Empty fuel tank in your car, you're not going to get very far. What rhymes say, that's good, isn't it? I won't write that down. But empty things are not good, are they? We like things to be full. You know, a full fridge, a full cupboard, a full tin of chocolate, a full tank of petrol, actually is much better, isn't it? But this morning, what we're celebrating is something that's empty. An empty tomb. And we're celebrating an empty tomb because that tells us that we have a risen and alive Saviour. So because the tomb was empty, or more importantly because Jesus rose to life, you and I can experience fullness of life. Jesus said this, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another translation puts it like this, I came so that they can have real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. Maybe you feel that your life is empty. Maybe you've been searching for meaning. For a purpose. Maybe even a reason to live. Or this morning you can exchange a life that feels empty to one which Jesus describes as full. So life is not meant to be empty. The tomb is meant to be empty. Your life is meant to be full. Full of life with Jesus. The tomb is empty so that your life can be forgiven and full. Do you notice that phrase there? Forgiven and full. This new life that Jesus talks about actually begins with forgiveness. It's important, it's crucial to the whole thing because you and I, men and women, boys and girls, mankind, humankind, we might say, we were created by God for a relationship with Him, to be God's friends. That's what it was meant to be like. That's how it was in the beginning. But you see, we rebelled. Men and women decided that actually they thought life was better without God and decided to do their own thing. And in so doing, there became a great gap, a great separation between God and men and women, and boys and girls. And because because of this gap, because of what we did wrong against God, what the Bible calls sin, It meant that no longer could we have that relationship with him. And worse than that, it meant that actually God was judging us. Because he's holy and perfect and can't look upon anything that's sinful. And we're all in the same boat. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So is there any hope? Doesn't sound very hopeful, does it? On a day we're going to be celebrating, doesn't sound like a lot of good news there. Well, if the story finished there, it wouldn't be great. We'd be in a mess. There would be no hope. And all we'd have is chocolate and nothing else. And there wouldn't be any hope for us. There wouldn't be any possibility of a relationship with God. Because whatever you and I might try, to put that relationship right, it doesn't cut it. It doesn't work. We can try our hardest. We can pray lots. We can read the Bible. We can be nice to old people and see them across the road. We can do all sorts of things. But actually nothing that you and I do can make our relationship with God right. Nothing that you can do. Even if you tried your hardest, even if you promised to be really good, it wouldn't be enough. Because you'd fail. And we know what it's like, don't we? We get things wrong. Even when we try really hard. It doesn't work. But God knew that. God knew that. So he did something about it. He took the initiative. God said, I'll do something. I'll send my son. And so that's why Jesus came. Because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave. Jesus is God's gift to us. Jesus came into the world to be born as a baby, to live as a man, fully God and fully man. And then to take upon himself the punishment that really should have been yours and should have been mine. He stood in our place. He took it upon himself so that we didn't have to. So the cross wasn't an accident. The cross was not God's plan gone wrong. The cross wasn't things going badly. The cross was things going well. This was God's plan. It was the only way, and Jesus knew that. That's why you find Jesus saying, to his Father, is there another way? Is there another way of this? But then immediately saying, not my will but yours. Because he wanted to submit to the will of his Father, the will of God. And the cross was the plan and Jesus would die in your place. And so by trusting in him, by believing in Jesus, by putting your hope and trust in him, by following him, Jesus called people to to follow him, by following him everything that you've done wrong your sin as the bible calls it get tra- transferred from you onto jesus and he takes the punishment that should have been yours he stands in your place and says i'll take that i'll take that and so then by believing in him and following him <coughs> He takes the punishment that should have been yours, should have been mine. He removes your guilt. You get forgiven and you get to go free. That's good news, isn't it? That is really good news. And it's good news no matter how old you are. Whether you're the youngest person in here this morning, or the oldest person here this morning, or somewhere in between. This is good news for you. It's like when you get a Christmas card with your name on it. Or maybe at this time of year, you get an Easter egg with your name on it. It's like it's it's addressed to you, isn't it? You know it's for you. It's like when I get bills through the post. I know they're for me, they've got my name on it. Actually, this has got your name on it this morning. Because this good news is for you. All of you. All of us. It isn't just for the person in front of you or behind Isn't just for the person that you came with or the person you're sitting next to. This good news this morning is for you. It really is. It really is. But you see, it doesn't end there. We've still got this empty tomb, remember? The cross wasn't the end. That wasn't the end of things because three days later, or on the third day rather, Jesus rose to life again. This is resurrection life. And Actually, this is what is promised for you and I if we put our trust in Jesus. Not only is your sin forgiven, not only do you get your relationship with God restored, not only can Jesus be really your very, very best friend. Always faithful. <laughs> always there for you. will never let you down. But more than that, your eternal destiny is secure. What will happen to you when you die is now known and certain and sure. Death has lost its sting, has lost its power. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can know that when you die, you will go to be with him. Jesus said to uh, someone that was crucified with him, there were two people crucified with Jesus at the same time, he turned to one of them who believed in him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Even at that moment, as this guy was about to take his final breath, even at that moment, by trusting in Jesus, he could be forgiven and know what was going to happen to him. So you'll have eternal, everlasting life. And as well as that, your life now on earth can be forgiven and full. Or as the Bible puts it, as Jesus said, life in all its fullness. The band can come up, please, as we come to a conclusion this morning. This is good news, isn't it? It really is. It seems that if you pick up a newspaper these days, you don't get an awful lot of good news. I, I guess it's not what sells newspapers. Bad news or salacious celebrity Gossip stories sell newspapers. But listen, this is the best news you'll ever hear or you'll ever read about. A survey last year found that 90% of Christians think that children today know less about the crucifixion and resurrection than they did 30 years ago. That's probably true. It's probably true. They also found that 95% of Christians believe that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day after his crucifixion. I'm not sure about the other 5% <laughs> quite where, <laughs> where they got to. But what about you? What do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus has risen from the dead? It's just the resurrection that changes everything a setting free from the power of sin, forgiveness of everything you've done wrong, removal of your guilt, a relationship with Jesus, fullness of life, everlasting life, is what Jesus offers you this morning. And kids, this is for you too. You might not have understood everything I've said, but I I put my trust in Jesus when I was really quite young. I didn't understand everything, but I knew this. I knew that Jesus wanted to be my friend. I knew that he called me to follow him. And I knew that he'd always be there for me. And I knew that he would help me to live a life that was honouring to him. And I remember becoming a Christian lots of times as a child. And I think it's because slowly I understood more as I got older. I can't even remember when the first time was. I've worked it out by whose Sunday school class I happened to be in. And uh, I think I was around about four. Uh, But I knew something at that age that I wanted to follow Jesus and put my trust in him. Even if I didn't understand everything. And I got to understand more as I got older. So it's not about understanding everything this morning. It's about trusting in Jesus and believing in him. And you can do that no matter how old you are. Or how young you are. You can know that relationship maybe for the first time this morning. This morning your life can change dramatically forever. So in a moment I'm going to give you a chance to respond. And give you a chance to say, yes, I want to put my trust and hope in Jesus. Maybe that's for you for the first time. Or maybe for you, you did that, maybe years ago, maybe some time ago. Maybe you made a decision to follow Jesus and then things didn't work out as perhaps you hoped for. Maybe you you wandered away. And maybe this morning you've come back thinking, I just want to try it again. I just want to follow Jesus again. Well, this morning you can. This morning you can make a response to him, to follow him again. And so I'm going to invite you in a moment to make that response and decide to put your hope and your trust in Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer that you can pray that will help you to do that. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond if you'd like to. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for this Easter Sunday. We thank you for the celebration of new life. We thank you for your death and your resurrection, Lord. We thank you that you've forgiven our sin. We thank you that we can know new life in you. And we thank you this morning that we can celebrate it, Lord. And we're so glad to have received this good news. Lord, we're so glad that there's an empty tomb and a risen Saviour. And we worship you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I want to pray now for any who might make a response to you this morning. Maybe for the first time, or maybe coming back to you again. I pray now you'd speak to their hearts. Holy Spirit, would you... Would you speak to hearts right now in this room? Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Perhaps if we can close our eyes, if you like to put your trust in Jesus, if you'd like to follow him this morning, maybe for the first time or maybe once again, if you just raise your hand, just as we're quiet before the Lord. No one else is looking, no one is watching. We just have our eyes closed. You raise your hands. I want to pray for you right now. You come back to Jesus if you've been, maybe wandered away. Waiting for the first time to put your hope and trust in him. It's just going to pray in a moment. You just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. you can say this prayer in your heart as I pray it. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Spirit. And I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, either for the first time or prayed it again, then we'd love to chat with you afterwards. would love to give you some literature that could help you and pray with you. If you just come down to the front and see my friend Kevin here. Kevin, okay, can you put your hand up? Then he'd love to chat with you and pray with you. If you prayed that prayer this morning. But as we close, let's celebrate and sing and worship our risen Saviour. You lead us. Lord Jesus we, Jesus, we thank you for this Easter weekend. We thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate new life in you, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you went to the cross in our place. We thank you that you took on yourself the punishment that really should have been ours. We thank you that you died. We thank you that you rose again to life. And now, Lord, we thank you for new life in you. We thank you for the gift of your Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that our eternal destiny is secure and we thank you now, Lord, for the new life that you give us to live in now. Lord, we love you for it, Lord. We want to celebrate and thank you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Have a great, happy Easter. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday once again here at 10 o'clock. God bless you.